We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today's Thursday, December the 10th, 2020. On today's show, I hand out some hardware. It's officially the 2020 TSUS postseason award show. I will talk everything from MVP, offensive and defensive players of the year, comeback player of the year, biggest surprise, disappointment, best guest as well for the podcast, all that, and many, many more other awards to hand out. As again, I reflect on the Gamecocks 2020 football season. Also, news and notes, your list listener questions and we switch it up today a little bit have a fantastic conversation a guy that I've known for a while and obviously with the hiring of Shane Beamer I really wanted to get his perspective Tyler McComas he's a radio talk show host in Norman Oklahoma very familiar with the Sooners program we talk about Shane Beamer specifically the hiring of the Gamecocks new head football coach how he thinks he'll fare in Columbia much much more there to get into an awesome conversation and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group guys Upstate Movers Group superior moving service They bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They are a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is just as invested in the success of the project as you are. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service, guys. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They are founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs this holiday season, be sure to contact my friends here at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group or, of course, their website for more information upstatemoversgroup.com that is upstatemoversgroup.com the show is also brought to you by our friends over at Yardware guys Yardware is a veteran owned and operating company licensed by the University of South Carolina selling must have Carolina yard and wall signs these signs are made out of 12 gauge laser cut steel and they come in both garnet and black guys Christmas is right around the corner we're all scrambling running around doing our Christmas shopping for the Gamecock fan in your life this is an absolute must have you guys obviously obviously see a bunch I have mine in my studio the detail the quality is really what stands out with these things it's a must have for any game cock man it's not going to break the bank only $34.99 also I do want to mention Yardware 
is founded by USC alumni. So again, another Gamecock on small business. Gamecocks helping Gamecocks. You know we're all about that. You can get your sign today. Check them out on social media as well, by the way, at Yardware Signs. But order your sign today at YardwareSigns.com. That is YardwareSigns.com. Guys, finally, the show is brought to you by our friends over at My bookie with the christmas holiday right around the corner my bookie's been in a giving mood a 250 dollars risk-free bet on thanksgiving boosted odds and free bets every hour black friday and they continue to give away more freebies for cyber monday guys for a sports book that's supposed to be in the business of making money they were giving it away i mean that's just one of the reasons why i've been rolling with my bookie this season the fact is this if you're going to put some action on the games, whether you're betting NFL, NCAA, college football, college hoops, whatever your preference, you want to do it with a reputable brand like MyBookie. Guys, make your deposit using the promo code GAMECOCKS, and they'll match you halfway to give you a head start on building your bankroll. Put in $200, you get an extra 100 to play with. Guys, it's a no-brainer. It's a win-win. Joining and depositing is a simple process, and it's quick, but more importantly, when it's time to get paid, that's quick too. Treat yourself with some extra cash in your pocket this holiday season by investing in your intuition. Guys, it's not just winter season, it's winning season. So bet, win, and get paid with my bookie. Let's get it. Spurs up show as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a funny story to tell you guys off the jump. So went ahead, recorded the podcast, did the entire postseason award show, got to the entire show. I go to edit. This is actually the second run of today's show, believe it or not. I had to record this show twice because I finished up doing the show, whatever, recorded, was editing. I realized I did not have my mic plugged in I mean a flat-out rookie mistake so the first run the quality wasn't very good I was like you know what why not let's have some fun we'll go eat some food real quick and then we'll come back later record it again so this is actually the second go around so this one should be good I should know exactly the points I want to hit what I want to say because hey I've already done this show once but again rookie mistake that's my bad like I said hey why not do the award show twice? You know what I mean? It's always fun. Why not have some more fun, do the show again? Uh, but no, it's just kind of a funny thing. I was sitting there and I was like, wow, that is truly a rookie mistake. But again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. The love, support. I, I do want to say one thing, really exciting news on the horizon. And I, I won't spill all the details just yet, but things that I'm working on behind the scenes uh, in regard to merchandise, you guys have supported, and, and I, I've been overwhelmed with the, res- the support we received, all of the orders we've gotten for the Shane Train shirts and the Beamer Ball and Shane Storm and all the merch we've been dropping. I'm not going to lie. Merch has been rolling and uh, obviously celebrating the hire of Shane Beamer. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, merchandise, I think I may have said this on another show. It's like one of those side things I'm extremely passionate about. Like, I love doing it. I love making the cool designs and and, and giving Gamecock fans unique merchandise to be able to rock around the stadium or rock wherever. You know what I mean? So, um, but really exciting stuff. 
happening behind the scenes. Um, you guys remember the deal we had with Palmetto Moon last year? Like I said, I'm not going to spill any details about who it's going to be with until it actually happens and we get everything finalized. But going into 2021, I'm, I'm very, very excited. It's great for the business. It's great for the overall growth and everything. Obviously, great for you guys. Great for the fans that, that the, the merchandise is moving in that positive direction. Again, I, I wanted to make merchandise a much bigger part of the business in 2020, but obviously with everything with shit hitting the fan, it was more about sustaining than it was creating new things and, and whatever. You know what I mean? You, you guys all understand what happened. But uh, no, I'm, I'm really excited though. And I just want to say thank you to you guys because without your love and support and um, you know, purchasing the items, purchasing the merchandise, we wouldn't have those type of opportunities. So guys, thank you again so much uh, for your continued love, support, supporting the podcast, supporting the business, supporting all the content we make, consuming the content, sharing the content. I truly, truly am appreciative of you guys. I'm also fired up. Again, happy Thursday. Hope you're all having a fantastic week and a fantastic day. I am fired up because we're talking postseason awards. The 2020 TSUS postseason award show brought to you by yours truly this is like the espies of the spurs up show if you will i will say a little preface before we go into this award show you're going to hear one player's name in particular a lot so just buckle up for that but let's go ahead without further ado drum roll please let's dive into it the 2020 tsus postseason award show begins now and let's start with let's start off hot right we're going to start with the team mvp the mvp of the 2020 football season like I said guys you're going to hear this man's name a lot I feel like you could give him basically every single award but without further ado the award goes to for MVP for the 2020 football season Kevin Harris Kevin and no surprise to you guys at all Kevin Harris what he did this season 1,138 rushing yards 6.2 yards per carry the man read for 15 touchdowns 113 basically 114 yards per game was on a team that went two and eight. And here's what's wild about the season that Kevin Harris had, guys, in my opinion. It happened in a 10-game schedule, all-conference schedule in the toughest conference. But more importantly, what's crazy to me, South Carolina had basically no weapons on the outside. Okay? The passing game felt non-existent at times. Teams knew what we were going to do. They knew we were going to feed number 20. We were going to feed the bus. And he's still able to get over a thousand yards. Like it's just incredible the type of season he had, especially again coming in the season. You lose Marshawn Lloyd. I was very skeptical of the running game. You were going to get really any production out of the running game. And Kevin Harris goes off first Gamecock running back since 2013 when Mike Davis did it to have a thousand rushing yards in a season. Incredible stuff. Kevin Harris, let's all give a round of applause, by the way, Mr. Kevin Harris. Just an unbelievable season. And it is a no brainer, no doubt. He is your team MVP. He receives that award for team MVP for the 2020 football season. So, congratulations. Mr. Harris, you deserve it, and you earned it, sir. Bravo. Let's move into the Offensive Player of the Year. And again, guys, it's got to go to Kevin Harris. The award goes to Kevin Harris. Like I said, who else could you pick? Who else could you pick for Offensive Player of the Year? Again, what he did, being the focal point of this offense, and again, going into games where you knew, like, ride the bus, that was the key to every game, establishing the running game, being stingy in the running game. That's something you heard Mike Bobo you heard Mike Bobo say a lot, and it's just crazy to me. Like, that teams – he got taken away in some games. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, the last game of the season just shows 21 carries for 210 yards, guys. He averaged 10 yards a carry. Like, this dude was incredible. Not just one of the best backs in the SEC, 
in the entire country. What Kevin Harris did, you can't speak on it. You can't say it enough how, how great – he deserves every award. I mean, honestly, let's just hand them all. All the offensive awards should go to Kevin Harris. But, again, the award for Offensive Player of the Year goes to Kevin Harris. Again, no surprise. Let's move into the Defensive Player of the Year. Let's talk about somebody else because there were more – star performances from individuals on this Gamecocks roster of guys not named Kevin Harris. Let's move to Defensive Player of the Year. And I went back and forth on this one a little bit. I think there's a couple of guys that could have gotten this, some guys that had some really good individual seasons. Again, I know as a whole, the defense really, really, really struggled. But there were some really good individual performances. And this guy, to me, the reason he's getting the award, it's not just because of the stats and the numbers and what he did on the field, but what he meant to this Gamecocks defense. And again, I know this defense struggled, but this is a guy to me that no matter what the score was, no matter the opponent, no matter the situation, this dude plays every down like it is his last. And he was the true, in my opinion, undisputed leader of the Gamecocks defense. So without further ado, the award for Defensive Player of the Year goes to Ernest Jones. Ernest Jones, you probably could have guessed it. Again, how could it go to anybody else? Again, the heart and soul of the Gamecock defense. Second straight year, he leads the team in tackles. 86 total tackles. He had five tackles for loss, also had a sack. But again, for me, more importantly, it's about what Ernest Jones did as far as being a leader on that Gamecock defense, being being the guy that, you know, and he said in the spring, you know, he, I don't know if you guys remember, he said in the spring, this is my defense. This is my defense. And he played that way. As a guy that played, play, you knew exactly what you're going to get week in, week out. I don't think he's like a flashy guy or anything. He, he's not, you know, he didn't make, he didn't have a touchdown. He didn't make any like crazy big plays or anything, but extremely consistent. And again, like I said, the undisputed leader of that defense and the heart and soul of that Gamecocks defense. So my defensive player of the year, hands down, Ernest Jones, what a year he had yet again. Um, let's move into the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. We'll start on the offensive side. So, again, when I say rookie, I mean like true freshman, uh, truly a rookie. And this award was stolen late in the season, which might give you a hint of who it's going to be. Um, there were not as many, you know, rookie performances to highlight as I would have liked because I really thought if you'd have asked me before the season to predict who was going to be – who was going to be the, uh, you know, the, the rookies of the year? I maybe would have looked at like the wide receiver position because I thought those guys would get a lot of opportunities. The Wyman's and the uh, Jacari Caldwell's and the Rico Powers. I thought it was going to be one of those guys, but it was not. We all, we obviously all know how, how that went. But this one was stolen late, and while the results on the field did not necessarily reflect it, this was a kid that, without a doubt, gave South Carolina the best chance to win their last three games. And was a guy that actually made South kind of football to an ex to a degree exciting to watch again. Like you actually sat up in your chair and you're like, okay, let's see what this kid can do. I'm talking about none other again. The award for offensive rookie of the year goes to Luke Doty. Luke Doty from Myrtle Beach, the true freshman, uh, taking over obviously in the what third to last game in the Missouri game. Obviously in the second half, he comes out. Played really solid football, I thought. Again, the Kentucky game was not his night, whatever. He definitely had some freshman growing pains. But overall, I think a solid year for number four. And again, when you look at a guy like Luke Doty, his performance was so impactful because, again, I, th I think you see flashes and the sense of, you know, I think going into 2021, he is the guy. Like, I, I really believe so. I mean, that first game when he played against Mizzou, it felt like a young Connor Shaw. And I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. 
Um, he ran for 91 yards on the season. Throwing the football, he also 43 for 71, two touchdowns. Uh, he, did have, he, had, he did have two touchdown passes. Also receiving. He caught the football a little bit. Um, let's take a look here. Actually, no, no, he didn't catch a pass. He ran a few. He ran a few before that Missouri game, but obviously taking over late in the season at quarterback, that's really what gave the nod for me to Luke Doty. I think he did with limited resources as well to come in as a true freshman, play the way he did. I thought Luke, again, what he had to work with and being a true freshman thrown to the fire, did as damn well as he could. I mean, honestly. So, again, offensive rookie of the year, I think it's very well-deserved, and I'm excited to see this guy develop over his time at South Carolina. Luke Doty, congratulations, Mr. Doty, for receiving the award. Let's move to defensive side. Defensive rookie of the year. And, again, this is another one that I really went back and forth because you're saying to yourself, Chris, who the hell are you going to pick on the defensive side? That defense struggled all season long. But this is a kid that, you know, we, we were all high on South Carolina's defensive front. And, I, you know, did it pan out? Did it not? I, I would say it, it definitely did not meet expectations. Um, the loss of Javon Kinlaw certainly hurts. And, you know, the entire defense had, had its issues. But this is a guy, I'll be honest, that before the season, uh, you know, I thought he was a solid pickup on the recruiting trail. But when I was thinking about the Gamecocks' defensive front, I was thinking of Kier Thomas, Jabari Ellis, Zach Pickens to break out. I was thinking of Jordan Birch. I was thinking of Brad Johnson. I was thinking of Sterling and Igbare. I didn't think much about this kid, but he quietly had a very, very solid freshman campaign. I'm talking about the award for Defensive Rookie of the Year goes to Tonka Hemingway. Tonka Hemingway, to me, man, for a true freshman Played fantastic football, and, and the numbers don't really jump out, if you will. 16 total tackles, one tackle for loss. Um, you know, did have a forced fumble as well, but I just thought for a true freshman campaign, really a kid to me that, that just stood out week after week after week and definitely held his own in SEC competition. Somebody I think is going to be a force on that Gamecocks defensive line for the next few years to come. But Tonka Hemingway, to me, I, I thought defensive rookie of the year, very well-deserved. I, I think for a true freshman, he played really solid football for South Carolina this year. So, again, the award goes to Mr. Hemingway. Congratulations, sir. Let's move into comeback player of the year. Who's the comeback player of the year for 2020? Again, the TSUS Postseason Award Show. Appreciate you guys tuning into it. I'm your host with the most. Comeback player of the year, let's talk. This is a kid again, and because I think a lot of you off the jump are going to go to Nick Muse. And Nick Muse, listen, had a great year. Nick Muse had a great year, no doubt. But this kid is the definition of a comeback player. I mean, you're talking about multiple injuries, multiple years to where, you know, you're all high and, you know, excited about this kid and you're really pumped to see what he can do and he gets hurt. And it's a guy that you almost felt like, dude, is this guy cursed? Like he's getting hurt every single year. And just the fact that he was able to come out and play basically a full season. I know I think he missed the last two games or so, but for the most part, play a full season and contribute for South Carolina and overcome all. I mean, we're not talking he had one injury. He had like three, three or four. It's crazy what he had to overcome. So to be able to do that, to show the resiliency to do that and then make a big play on top of it in the Gamecocks win against Auburn, just you can't script it, folks. And again, let's get to the point. The award for comeback player of the year goes to Jalen Dickerson. Jalen Dickerson, yes. Again, a guy that, you know, maybe didn't get talked about quite as much for sure as the guys like J.C. Horn, Ishma Kwamu, and who he, who he was surrounded by, obviously, right? But Jalen Dickerson on the season, 20 total tackles, one and a half tackles for loss. He had half a sack, but had that interception, his first career interception 
in the Gamecocks win against Auburn, again, it's like movie stuff. You cannot script it how great of a moment that was for Jalen Dickerson. Again, after all of the turmoil and battling the injuries and having to be resilient. And I'm sure there was a moment for Jalen where he's like, dude, I don't even know if I'm going to play football again. Like, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back on the field and get healthy. For him to kind of get that redemption, if you will, and be able to go out there, and like I said, not just play, but make a game-changing play like he did in the Auburn game. Phenomenal stuff. Congratulations, Jalen, not just on that interception, but playing a full season. I, I, you know, I, I think it speaks to the character and the resiliency that kid has. So, again, comeback player of the year goes to Jalen Dickerson. Let's move into most improved player for the 2020 football season. Like I said at the beginning, guys, you were going to hear his name a lot. I'm not even going to dance around this. You guys all know who it is because, for me, the award for most improved player goes to Kevin Harris, yet again. Kevin Harris is racking up the awards here on the uh, during the TSUS award show. But it, it's a given, man. Kevin Harris, you know, I, I was very, very skeptical. Very skeptical of the Gamecocks running back room after the injury to Marshawn Lord. I mean, I, I'm sure you guys remember uh, when Marshawn went down. I mean, it was devastating. That's what it felt like. It felt devastating. And I, I really expected the running back room to be a running back by committee. I thought it would be Harris and Fenwick and Zaquandre White and South kind of really would never have that true number one back and was just going to be kind of in just figure it out mode. You know what I mean? Kevin Harris. And I'm not saying that he wasn't a good player in 2019. He got hurt, didn't get a ton of opportunities, whatever. When he did, he ran really well. We all remember that game against Charleston Southern, which was kind of his coming out party. But man, I mean, did anybody see this season coming for him? And if you say you did, you're lying. Bottom line, if you say you if you say you saw Kevin Harris in the preseason rushing for a thousand, you're lying. Like I would have put very, very good money on the fact that Kevin Harris, nobody on the roster would hit a thousand yards. And for Kevin Harris to do it again, it just shows from year one to year two the type of player he became and is right now. South Carolina is in very, very good hands when it comes to the running back position of the next few years, especially when you add back in Marshawn Lloyd. But Kevin Harris, man, what a season. So, again, to me, it's hands down the award for most improved player. Kevin Harris hands down wins it. Uh, congratulations. Like I said, Mr. Harris is racking up the awards tonight. Um, let's go into coach of the year. Coach of the year. And, again, it's tough to not give it to this guy. Uh, First-year head coach on the staff. But when you have a player – perform and carry your team basically the way Kevin Harris did we got to show some love to the running back coach Des Kitchings again the award goes to Des Kitchings Des Kitchings coming from NC State guy was a really really solid hire I thought um and again just you saw it this season with Kevin Harris again what Kitchings did to be able to put him in position to be successful and develop this guy from year one to year two it speaks volumes to the coaching he got behind the scenes. So, again, coach of the year for me, easy, Des Kitchings. Let's move into some of the more fun awards. The Are You Kidding Me? Play of the Year, which I'm trying to do a Todd Ellis uh, impersonation, which it probably doesn't sound very well, but the Are You Kidding Me? Play of the Year. Again, there's a couple of different plays this season that this could go to. But, man, I I'll tell you, the one that just first jumped out to me in my mind was that Auburn game. Shai Smith, that touchdown catch, he had mossing the Auburn defender. And then, to make it even sweeter, he goes on Instagram and straight up clowns the defensive back. All of their defensive backs. Straight straight up clowns them. So, when I think that, that is the first play. And again, if there's a, if there's a play I'm missing, I, I truly do apologize. 
But that, to me, is the play that jumps out as the, are you kidding me, play of the year. The award goes to Shy Smith. That touchdown catch, incredible. incredible. Yeah, I mean, heck, you could also say the touchdown catch in the Ole Miss game. What, 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 a, what, a, what a play that was. But, again, for whatever reason, that touchdown catch against Auburn. And then it was the Instagram post after the fact. Like that, that just made that, that entire sequence, that entire play, something really, really special. So, again, congratulations, Mr. Shy Smith. Uh, let's move into biggest surprise. Like I said, guys, I told you he was going to rack up awards. The award for biggest surprise goes to, it's got to be Kevin Harris. Like, guys, I would have bet very good money that nobody on this roster was going to hit 1,000 yards rushing. And that wasn't like doubting the guys saying they're not good players in the preseason, but – you lose Marshawn Lloyd. I fully expected him to be the focal point of the Gamecock offense. You lose him. You know, you're looking around like, you know, heck, we were hearing rumors in the preseason that Kevin Harris was not even going to be the starter. We heard it was going to be Deshaun Fenwick. So not only for Harris to be the starter, but then do what he did for South Carolina. Just incredible. And he did it from the jump. I mean, from that first Tennessee game, you could see it. It's like, okay, Kevin Harris, this is RB1. And then the Florida game, you just kept going. You're like, this guy is RB1. This guy is special. He's on pace to have a special season. Again, 15 touchdowns, guys. 15 touchdowns. First running back with over 1,000 since 2013. You, you just can't say enough about what Kevin Harris did this season. Like I said in the beginning, he deserves all the awards. So, again, award for biggest surprise, Kevin Harris, no doubt. Let's move into biggest disappointment. What was the biggest disappointment of the 2020 Gamecocks football season? And you, you listeners are probably saying, well, the entire thing, Chris, we went two and eight. Um, but I've got a little bit of a different take on it. And I know a lot of you are going to agree with me. And, and listen, in college athletics, especially college football and SEC football, coaching staffs are recruiting your replacement every single year. Bottom line, just call it what it is. Nobody signs a letter of intent with a guarantee that says, okay, you sign with us, you're going to play all four years, no big deal, you'll be a starter. Iron sharpens iron, you bring in competition, you let the cream rise to the top, and you play them, right? So I, I totally understand that, and I, and I supported the decision. I supported the guy all throughout the season who started, but I'll be honest, as a fan and just as a human being, when you factor in, the story and the behind-the-scenes stuff and what he did for South Carolina football in 2019. The biggest disappointment for me, the award for biggest disappointment goes to Ryan Holinsky never seeing the field um, and, and never in a meaningful situation. And again, I totally understand why they did it. Mike Bobo comes in. He wants a guy who's a veteran, who knows his system. He doesn't want to have to go through that adjustment period, yada, yada, yada. I totally understand why they did it. And started Colin Hill. Heck, I, I defended Colin Hill. I, I didn't think Colin Hill was the Gamecocks' main problem in the 2020 season. But you had to feel, and it, it definitely hit home for me when I went to that Missouri game, and I, and I had those really close uh, seats. And you're able to see, like I said before, body language. And you're able to see guys, how they react. And that was the first time all season that I was like, wow, I, I really feel bad for Ryan Alinsky. I mean, looking completely dejected. And then, hey, and then... Instead of going to you when Colin Hill struggles, they go to the true freshman. And again, I'm not saying it was the wrong move at all because I, I, I said from the jump, if you're going to go with anybody else, you got to go with Luke Doty. I mean, Helensky and Hill, Doty is the guy that get, brings a whole different dynamic to your offense. But it was disappointing because I, I know, you know, sitting here a year ago when I was handing out awards, I would have bet that Ryan Helensky was the quarterback of the future for South Carolina for the next three or four years. And for that to not happen, and again, the kid not even getting a shot 
in a meaningful situation, that was disappointing to me. And, and again, I know I speak for a lot of you. I know a lot of you are probably still upset about it. A lot of you will never forgive Mike Bobo for, for bringing in Colin Hill and, and doing what he did to Ryan Alinsky. So um, it is what it is. It's a tough situation. I fully expect Ryan to transfer. And, you know, it's, again, you bring in guys and you let them duke it out and compete. And whoever wins the job wins the job. But my biggest disappointment, like I said, just the fall from grace that it was for Ryan Helensky was, was tough to see. And it was tough to watch. And especially, like I said, when I got it up close and saw a dejected Helensky on the sideline, that was tough. And I fell for the kid. So, again, award for biggest disappointment, Ryan Helensky never seen the field. Let's move into best moment. Okay. And I know some of you may roll your eyes, but I actually think if you're listening to this podcast, you're all going to agree with me. But the award for best moment goes to Will Muschamp's firing. I, that, that was the best moment of the 2020 season. Um, and I, again, I, I said this when it happened, and I'll say it again. It was the best moment because, not because someone became unemployed, right? Lost their employment, which, again, I, I don't ever want to hear, oh my God, you should feel bad for Will Muschamp. They released the details on his buyout, guys. And I, and I know you probably saw it. It's sickening. It's sickening. This man is making, for the next four years, excuse me, five, he is making $3.5 million, and 4.3. Never feel bad for somebody who can buy their own jet, bro. Don't, don't ever. Don't ever, okay? <laughs> don't ever feel bad. But it was the best moment in the sense that, you know what, for the first time in forever, I felt hope yet again for the South Carolina football program. I really, truly woke up that Monday, you know, because we all remember that crazy Sunday, you know, when I went live. And really, that's what made it the best moment, too, is that Sunday, the craziness, smoking a cigar in the studio, going live on uh, on the Daily Crow. Just like, I mean, it was wild. It was, it was a crazy moment. It was, it was a crazy time. But just the fact that the University of South Carolina's football program was able to move on and move in a different direction. I'm sure you guys have noticed. I've been a lot more chippy on the podcast since that happened because it got to a point where you're thinking like, man, like, are we just stuck this way forever? I mean, are we ever going to be able to get out of this, this rut that we are in due to our head coaching situation? So again, award for best moment for me, easily Muschamp's dismissal and the events that followed, smoking the stogie and the cigar, that podcast. I mean, just just incredible. I mean, it was it was incredible stuff. I'm not going to deny it. It was awesome. It was amazing, and I'm happy. I'm happy for South Carolina football that now we have Shane Beamer. We're able to restore the culture, restore the standard that was set um, back when those guys back when he was there. Very excited for the future of Gamecock football. Let's move into best game because I, I didn't want you guys to think. I'm just going to completely ignore the bright spots, which there were, there were very few, but the bright spots that happened in the 2020 football season on the field. So I wanted to include best game. And the award for best game goes to the win over Auburn. Absolutely no question. Hell, we only had two to pick from, right? But the best game, the win over Auburn, beating Auburn for the first time since 1933. Um, J.C. Horn having his Israel McQuamu in, in Athens, Georgia game, basically having his breakout game. Um, what an incredible day. And I, obviously, again, we thought at that point, it was the turning point for South Carolina football, unfortunately. It did not serve as that, but that went over Auburn. What a fantastic time. And also, what a day it was. I, obviously, I was at Overtime Bar and Grill. We had a great crowd. Just, just an overall great day. That was truly a great day to be a Gamecock. So, again, easy choice. Best game of the 2020 season, the win over Auburn. Let's move into a fun one. The worst 
quote, I hate myself, end quote, moment. <laughs> that moment where I was sitting there like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm a fan of this team. This sucks. I hate my life. And again, when you go two and eight, there's a lot of moments to pick from. <laughs> like, let's just call it what it is. There's a lot of moments to pick from. But the lowest point for me this season, I mean, by far, the award for the worst I hate myself moment goes to sitting at Overtime Bar and Grill, watching us get absolutely destroyed by Texas A&M. I, I mean, get just beaten to a pulp, guys. 48-3, to and again, I, I know you guys all remember that. God, I mean, that was the by far lowest point of the 2020 season. I mean, I just never even, you know, there are a few games I've watched as a South Carolina football fan, South Carolina fan in general, where I have not clapped, I have not cheered, I have not gotten out of my chair, nothing. I've just been emotionless because the game went so poorly. I'd probably think back to last year's A&M game. I'd think back to the Belt Bowl, and I would add this year's Texas A&M game to that. I, the game was never close, ever. South Carolina was never in the football game. And I guess, hey, it was short-term punishment for a long-term game. It got Will Muschamp fired. But just what, having to sit through that and watching us get just manhandled and then having to talk about it on the show, like what is there to pull and take away from that? You know what I mean? So, again, worst, hate myself, worst I hate myself moment, watching us just get absolutely blasted by Texas A&M. Let, let's close up the TSUS Award Show, the final award, best guest of the 2020 football season. This is a really fun one. And so last year when I did this, you know, and all the interviews are great, by the way. All the interviews are great. Everybody that takes the time to come on the show, I truly do appreciate. And there were some fantastic conversations all, all throughout this season. But last year, you know, it was pretty tough to pick. Had to really narrow it down. And, you know, it, it was splitting hairs. This season is not that way. Um, and I know you guys probably know which interview I'm referencing. But this wasn't just the best interview of the 2020 season. This was probably the greatest interview we ever done. I mean, literally like a huge moment for the podcast, for the business, for all of it. The award for best guest goes to none other than the GOAT himself, Jungle Boy Swag, a.k.a. DJ Swearinger, who took the time to chat with me. W what a conversation. And again, if you're listening right now and you have not listened to that interview, my God, do yourself the service of going and listening to that interview. Do, do yourself a favor and listen to that interview. I mean, just incredible. Like, I was, I was fanboying, I'll be honest, during the interview. I, I was sitting there literally, like, reliving all of my favorite moments as a Gamecock fan with the guy who literally made it happen. I, I'm just incredible, bro. Just absolutely. And then him talking, obviously, again, because this was after the Vanderbilt game. Him giving his insight and his thoughts on, you know, what direction South Carolina football needed to go and, you know, just the culture and the standard and, and hearing it from a legend, from a true legend. I mean, the only way to phrase it, it just purely a blessing, dude. Just, just a, a blessing to have been able to chat with a guy like DJ Swearinger. Incredible. Incre and like I said, if you have not listened to it, do yourself the favor and tune in. It was the show right after the Vanderbilt game. If you want a timestamp, kind of figure out where it is. It was the show after the Vandy game. Incredible conversation. Unbelievable. So, again, that's going to wrap up the 2020 TSUS postseason award show. Congratulations to all of our winners, guys. Thank you so much for being a fantastic audience. Truly do appreciate it. Look forward to the 2021 award show following next season. All right. One quick note, and then we're going to get in your listener questions, guys. 
Um, Sedarius Hutcherson declaring for the NFL draft. I don't think that's really a big surprise. Um, a guy who's the anchor, who was the anchor of the Gamecocks offensive line, had a fantastic 2020 season. And, uh, you know, I'm not surprised he's making the jump. But a guy I think you're going to hear his name a lot on Sundays for the, for the years to come. Um, fantastic player. So, Sedarius Hutcherson, congratulations on a great Gamecock career. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, a blow for South Carolina's offensive line going to next season. But when you have good players, they're going to go to the NFL draft. So, congratulations to Sedarius Hutcherson. All right. Let's dive into your listener questions, guys. We're going to start with Adam underscore Madison. Looking back, which player stepped up and which player has a lot to prove in 2021? Offensively, which player stepped up? Kevin Harris, no question. Defensively, the guy that stepped up? I would say J.J. Nigbari, bro. I mean, led the SEC in sacks. Nobody talked about him. Led the SEC in sacks. You know, and I, I have to mention him because, again, I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, how am I not going to give this guy an award? Um... How am I not? You know what I mean? But J.J. Nibari with an incredible season. Uh, those two guys, to me, really stepped up. Who, who has a lot to prove? Offensively, the entire wide receiver room. I mean, literally everyone in the wide receiver room. Defensively, who has a lot to prove? I would probably say a guy like Zach Pickens. Um, Pickens was a guy that I really thought was going to fill in nicely and replace Javon Kinlaw and be that disruptor in the middle. Just never really was. And again, I hold a lot of that accountability on the coaching staff, the lack of development. But he just never really developed into that guy. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if I overhyped him. I don't know. I, I really don't know. But um, I think that's a guy for me that needs to step up next year, big time. So, uh, Ben Smitty, 2017, is Harris better than Lattimore? Whew, listen, I, I know Kevin Harris had a great season, man. I'm not trying to take anything away, but you're talking about the GOAT. And, and here's the thing with Lattimore. As great of a player he, as he was, just what he literally changed South Carolina football. I mean, Marcus Lattimore's impact was so beyond the field of play. I, you know, Kevin Harris puts together two more seasons like he had this year. I might have might be singing a different tune, but Marcus Lattimore is the goat, bro. You, you got you got to put respect on Marcus Lattimore's name, bro. So yeah, I, I would say that uh, I, I'd give the nod to Lattimore. But like I said, if Kevin Harris has two more seasons like he had, you know, the conversation might change a little bit. Um, Ralphie Saferto, Jamie Robinson, defensive MVP, Jordan Birch, please don't transfer. Uh, no, Jamie had a really good year. Jamie had a really, really good year. Definitely want to highlight him. Second leading tackler, 74 total tackles, two tackles for loss, had an interception as well. I think Jamie quietly, again, a lot of these guys were overshadowed because we love to talk about JC and Izzy and, but a lot of these guys were overshadowed. Jamie had a fantastic year. I thought, uh, I thought he had a really, really good year for South Carolina. As far as Jordan Birch, I don't think Birch will be leaving because he actually had a relationship with Shane Beamer when they were recruiting him in Oklahoma. So I, I don't think Birch is going anywhere. Um, WM underscore four IV. What can we expect from Beamer's first season? And it's kind of ironic you ask this question, guys, because tomorrow I will be giving my way too early predictions for the 2021 football season. It's never too early to start breaking the games down and give predictions. But, uh, you know, I think what South Carolina fans can expect, and I think what is realistic to expect, I don't think it's asking too much, is 500 or better, getting to a bowl game in year one. I think it's very doable. Um, like I said, guys, I'd love to be a fly on the wall to hear what Shane Beamer and his offensive staff and his staff in general think about this roster because I think two things are going to stand out. A, a complete mismanagement of the roster and just a pure lack of player development. Like, I think there's talented players on this roster, and you take a look at the schedule. I've already looked at it. You know, we're all assuming we go back to normal, right? We're all hoping and praying 2021 we're going to go back to normal. So you're going to have a normal schedule. 
So you're going to have four non-conference games. I mean, there's three built-in wins right there. And then you take a look at other games like Kentucky, Mizzou, Vanderbilt, Tennessee. You know, I'm not mentioning any of the other ones. I mean, I, I think six and six or better is very doable. I'm not asking for anything unrealistic in year one, but I think there is enough talent on this roster. If utilized properly, I see no reason why South Carolina cannot get to a bowl game in Shane Beamer's first year. So we'll see what happens. But I think those are very realistic expectations um, for Gamecocks football next season. Uh, final question here, J.A. underscore Cobb, 1960. Derek Mason or Charlie Strong for D.C.? If I had to pick one, I'd probably go Derek Mason. And I know Charlie Strong has been in Columbia before. I think Mason would be a really, really good pickup, though. But, again, I'd, I'd be happy with either guy, uh, no doubt. Um, so, again, guys, thank you so much for your questions. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, like I said in the beginning, your love, support, continue to buy the merchandise. Um, thank you so much. It's, it's been a, an overwhelming amount of support. The momentum right now, I'm a big believer in positive momentum and keeping positive momentum going. And it's crazy, man. It's fun to watch. It, it's so awesome to see how things have evolved and, you know, the, the growths and the, uh, the, the, the overall growth and just the successes of the business. And I'm so excited for 2021, man. I, I can't wait. Big things are in store. It's going to be a phenomenal year, our best year to date. So, guys, again, thank you so much. You guys are what make this thing go. You guys are what make things possible. I also want to say thank you for making the Daily Crow, by the way, a massive success. I, I mean – you know, I thought we could have some success there, but you guys, I mean, you have even exceeded my expectations. So again, thank you so much for that. Now, we do have a fantastic conversation. Like I said, guys, most of the time I'm bringing on, bringing on former Gamecock athletes or personalities or what have you. I thought with Shane Beamer and the hiring, why not switch things up a little bit? And why not go to the source and talk to a guy that would know Shane Beamer as well as anyone? Obviously, again, Shane Beamer, he's coaching out the last two weeks, by the way, at Oklahoma um, through the Armchair All-Americans ties, Armchair All-Americans connections, if you guys remember the, the old days when it was Armchair South Carolina and Armchair All-Americans, I met this guy via that outlet, and we have followed each other on social media ever since and really respect his work. He does a great job in the Norman, Oklahoma market, so he's actually a sports talk show radio host in Norman, Oklahoma. He also has a podcast where he talks about the Big 12. This is somebody who really understands Big 12 football, and he is an Oklahoma fan. So he's very familiar with Mr. Shane Beamer. Tyler McComas, good buddy of mine, really appreciate him taking the time. Again, we really dive into everything about Shane Beamer, the hiring, his thoughts on it, what he thinks Shane Beamer can accomplish in Columbia. Um, we even joke and talk about maybe some tra transfers coming from Oklahoma to Columbia because Lord knows we could use all the wide receiver transfers. If you're a wide receiver and you're listening to this, you can catch the football. Come on down to Columbia. We got a spot for you. But again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. The 2020 TSUS Postseason Award Show is in the books. Now, enjoy this conversation with Tyler McComas as we break down the hiring of Gamecocks head football coach Shane Beamer. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show, very excited, a guy. We go way back to the armchair days. If you guys remember Armchair South Carolina, Armchair All-Americans, goes all the way back to then. He's a guy, the columnist for Barrett Sports Media, sports radio talk show host in Norman, Oklahoma for Sports Talk 1400. He's also the co-host in the In Defense of Big 12 podcast. You're saying, Chris, we're talking Big 12. Yes, Shane Beamer, the new head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, coming from the Oklahoma Sooners, and I thought, why don't we just go straight to the source to get some more intel on Shane Beamer? I'm very pleased to be joined 
by Tyler McComas. Tyler down there in Norman, Oklahoma. He's very familiar with the Sooners and Coach Beamer. Excited to get his insight today. Tyler, appreciate you taking the time, man. Like I was saying off air, it's uh, it's been a while. It's great to see you. Great to hear from you. Hope you've been well, and I, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah, but it almost feels like we never lost touch, I guess, because every time I turn on Twitter, I'm seeing a video of your sunburned leaving a South Carolina <laughs> game and you're yelling fire must champ or something like that. So it, it feels like I've kept up with you this entire time, man. Yeah, it got hard to escape there for a little bit. Uh, yeah, for sure. No, for sure. Went, went, went viral for all the wrong or right reasons, however you want to look at it, I guess. But hey. The good news is the Muschamp era is over. South kind of moving on, obviously, this season. Again, Tyler, the big reason I wanted to get you on the show is because you are as familiar with Oklahoma football and the Oklahoma Sooners as anybody. Obviously, like we were saying, you're an Oklahoma fan and you have a sports radio talk show host. You're, you're a host there in Norman um, covering the Sooners, covering the Big 12. But I wanted to get you on again specifically to talk Shane Beamer a little bit because Shane Beamer was at Oklahoma 2018-2020, still there right now, obviously going to coach throughout the season on Lincoln Riley's staff. I want to ask you again, you've been in that market for a while. When Shane Beamer got there, how much interaction have you had with him as a person? Have you ever gotten to talk to him, interview him, anything like that? Like, what's your familiarity level uh, with Shane Beamer? Yeah, I think any time that we got to talk to Shane Beamer, there was a lot of excitement just because he's just such a genuine, down-to-earth kind of guy, okay? And, and does that mean that he's going to be a great head coach? No, but he is I'm, – I'm telling you that he's one of the more – handle people in those situations I mean and, and I think that that's kind of what you have to be as a head coach right you have to manage some of those personal relationships whether it be with the high money boosters with the regular fan whatever he'll he'll do a good job with that you know maybe Will Muschamp was a hard guy to be around at times not a whole lot of people liked his personality I think Shane Beamer and, and Will Muschamp in that aspect are completely different kind of humans for sure. You, you talked about it a little bit, his excitement level and intensity. And the one video I, I go to is he's at Oklahoma and he's literally like bleeding from his eye because yeah. I guess he headbutted somebody. Like, mm -hmm. I, I feel like that just speaks to the type of intensity he coaches with. Because again, when I when I saw him in the presser um, on Monday, which I, I think he did a fantastic job and, and crushed the uh, crushed the press conference. But you know, he, he comes off as a very, like, calm dude, good demeanor, but he's intense on the football field, no yes. question, like you were saying. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he's the guy there on the sideline. Like, a lot of times you see the head coach, a big touchdown happens, and they just – they got their arms crossed right, right. there. There's no, you know, yeah. there's no emotion or anything like that. If South Carolina scores a big touchdown next year, Shane Beamer's going to be fist pumping there on the sideline. Like, he's going to get everybody engaged there on the sideline. Like, yeah, he's the coach every over there like showing all the emotion over there. So, but yeah, I thought the same thing. It's yeah. like, if you kind of talk to him individually, it's like, wow, this guy is like down to earth. Mm. He's calm. He's just a, he's just a cool dude, you know? Mm. And, but once he gets in between the lines, it's all, it's all emotion. And, and he wants to win a football game. I mean, he may look calm, but dude's competitive as hell. And when he's in between the lines, he wants to win, man. There's, there's no doubt about that. For sure. Now, I, I know Tyler, his calling card at South Carolina really was the recruiting side of things. South Carolina recruited some of the best players in school history, um, you know, when he was at South Carolina. Just talk about what, how much of a hand has he had in recruiting for the Sooners? And, and, and obviously, I mean, Oklahoma has recruited at a fantastic clip. I mean, I don't remember the last time Oklahoma had a bad class, to be honest with you, which I don't keep up with Oklahoma recruiting very close. But they, they brought in, obviously, some top-notch athletes over the past few years. But just talk about the hand he had in recruiting, kind of what you – again, you're, you're following this program day in, day out, what you've seen from the recruiting side of things. How involved was he in regards to recruiting for Lincoln Riley's squad? 
this is going to get you really excited. Oklahoma has the number one quarterback in the 2021 class coming in. Mm-hmm. He's from Washington, D.C. Shane Beamer got that kid to Norman, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And talking about just how he can have relationships and adapt in recruiting, the guy's an unbelievable recruiter. I mean, he really is. I mean, he coaches H-backs at Oklahoma, yet he has the personality to draw the number one quarterback from Washington, D.C. all the way to Norman, Oklahoma. And I think that that's going to be one of his biggest gifts that he can get to South Carolina. Look, we all know about the talent that's in that area. And I'm not a South Carolina historian. Mm. You're a lot better at it than me. I remember Connor, uh, Connor Shaw, uh, who Blake Mitchell. Mm. But has South Carolina ever had an elite quarterback in their program's history? Mm. I can't remember one off the top of my head. And if the answer is no to that – I think Shane Beamer might give South Carolina its best chance to bring in one of those elite quarterbacks that they've had in a long, long time. You know, now can he develop the guy? We'll see. But in terms of getting like a five-star quarterback to South Carolina, I, Shane Beamer is going to have a chance to do that just because he's he's that likable. He can recruit that well, and he's already proven to be able to do it in a short stint in Oklahoma. Yeah, I'll tell you, man, Tyler, just to give you some insight, it's crazy because I'm not sure not sure if you're familiar with the name Gunnar Stockton, though, this kid out of Georgia who South Carolina has committed. He is the highest-rated quarterback prospect to ever commit to South Carolina and the wow. first-ever five-star. I-, I couldn't believe that. South Carolina's never signed a five-star quarterback. So just to your point, um, to your point as far as bringing in that big, you know, you've had the Steven Garcias and the Ryan Holinskis, very highly rated, but never had that five-star guy like you're saying. So I definitely agree. I, I, I want to move to, and again, this is going to be more so resolved once he brings his coordinators in offensively and defensively. But, you know, I think what gets South Carolina fans excited is you had a guy like Will Muschamp, defensive guy, um, known for defense, offense has struggled, whatever. I'm expecting South Carolina to move much more towards a spread up tempo modern offense like what we've seen at Oklahoma. Not necessarily, you know, reflecting that, if you will, to a T, but I think more so going in that direction. And it's exciting to think of Shane Beamer learning from a guy like Lincoln Riley, who is regarded as one of the best offensive minds in college football. Do you think, do you see Shane Beamer bringing it again? It's, it's hard to really determine for sure because it's going to go a lot on, hey, is Garrett Riley his OC, Lincoln's brother? Who knows? It's going to depend a lot of who those coordinators are. But how much do you think Shane will pull from Oklahoma and try to implement it South Carolina, especially on the offensive side? I, I think quite a bit. And I mean, even to take it a step further, where Shane was at before he was at Oklahoma, he was with Kirby Smart at Georgia. Now that's the com- complete opposite side of the spectrum right they had Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle when he was over there and they had a great defense and of course we remember that when he was at South Carolina that the old ball coach himself Steve Spurrier was there so I mean just think about that right there Mm -hmm. think about the guys that just recently who he's been able to coach under he's going to take something from Steve Spurrier like it or not he's going to take something from Kirby Smart at Georgia and then I think he's going to take a lot of Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. I, I, I really do think, though, you're going to see an upbeat, spread it out, exciting brand of offense at South Carolina. Now, I, I don't like – I think that there's a common misconception about the offense that Oklahoma runs. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think Oklahoma is just an air raid quarterback or an air raid system. Oh, my God. Look at all the great quarterbacks they had. They just throw it all around the yard. Well, they do throw it a lot. But, Chris, they have a really good running game year in and year out. Year in and year out, they have a really 
really good running game, one of the best in the country. And that's because they built up one of the best offensive lines in the country. So I don't think that Shane Beamer is going to go out to South Carolina and run four and five wide every single play. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that he's seen at Oklahoma, and I think that he's seen it prior, but I think he's seen at Oklahoma that you can run this kind of spread type of offense, but you can also have a dominant run game as well. We've seen South Carolina have a dominant run game before, so I think that you're going to see that mixture of, yeah, we want to throw it around. Yeah, we want to have great skill, talent, great quarterback play. But when it comes down, when it comes down to it, we're still going to run the football quite a bit too. Yeah, and you still got to be able to run the football to, to win football games. I, mean, I fully believe that as much as the game has evolved. And you, like you're saying, you point at South Carolina, Kevin Harris, a thousand yard back this season, impressed. I think one of the better running backs you've never heard of. And then Marshawn Lloyd, the five star prospect, South Carolina is definitely going to have the backs at Shane Beamer's disposal to get the running game going. I, I want to ask you specifically because, again, you know this guy, you've seen him in Norman, you've been able to talk to him. One of the interesting storylines that came out, and I don't think it's a big deal, but some South Carolina fans, it, it ruffled their feathers a bit, no pun intended. But uh, Shane Beamer taking the job at South Carolina, he is going to go back and coach Oklahoma for the last few weeks. You know, as you guys, I, I think, are you already in the Big 12 championship game or fighting yeah, again, yeah, I guess? Locked okay, already, yeah, I was saying, well, yeah uh, he's going to yeah. coach through that. I'm not sure if he's going to coach through like a, a bowl game as well, but he's going to go back and finish what he started at Oklahoma. And, and I think that speaks to the type of guy Shane Beamer is. And he said in his presser, which I thought really hit home, you know, he talked to, talked to the, his new team, South Carolina, about commitment and loyalty and being a man of your word. And he said he felt like he couldn't look his team in the face and say that and not honor his commitment to Oklahoma. Just, just talk about that decision by Shane Beamer. Were you surprised, not surprised, uh, as far as knowing the type of person that he is? I, yeah, I would have been surprised if he would j just have left to South Carolina and told Oklahoma, like, hey, see ya. Right. And, and I think that, like, everybody knows about Frank Beamer, how stand-up of a guy he is. Like, I, I think that he gets that from his dad. Like, Shane Beamer's got a lot of character. And I'm not trying to say that Will Muschamp's a bad guy, right. but I don't think that you're going to see Shane Beamer on a video saying, so get the fuck out of your seats or something like that <laughs> on, on a video that got right. released. But I... I, I, I would have been surprised if it was any other way, but I just, this, this is how he is, man. And like, it was a teaching lesson to his team. Like I'm not just some guy that just wants to walk through this door and demand your respect. Like I, I'm going to show you what kind of dude that I really am. And, and plus I think Oklahoma, they're already in the game, mm -hmm. but I think they got a great chance to beat Iowa state and win the big 12 title again. So it kind of helps there he can't i mean mm -hmm. all, all his recruiting that he can do for south carolina has to be through the internet has to be through phone call so it doesn't affect him that much this year as it would in years prior so it's just i really thought it was a teaching moment to his team saying mm -hmm. i'm legit you can trust me i'm this guy i i want to build this program the right way but i want to show loyalty to the place i came before that but yeah. like i said I, I do think that there is some things to where he needs to be able to sell something on the recruiting trail right now. And being able to sell three conference championships mm -hmm. in three years is, is a pretty good thing to be able to sell. No, I, I think you make great points too. And also, like you said, I mean, it's unprecedented times he can recruit via zoom. I mean, it's not like he's missing out on being in living rooms and, and shaking hands with people. That's just kind of the time we're in, you know, no coaches are able to do that. Um, I, I'm curious, Tyler, to get your take. Cause again, you're in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, you do your radio show and you talk Oklahoma Sooners, but you guys also talk the national landscape of college football and sports yeah. in general. I I'm curious to get your take, and, and you can you can shoot me straight, obviously, be, be as honest as you want, because, again, I, I know that 
in Gamecock circles, I think South Carolina fans are happy. I'm happy with the hire. I think South Carolina is a unique job. You needed to get a guy in there that understood the culture and could bring that back and bring that standard back that Steve Spurrier set when he was there. Not necessarily winning 11 games every single year, but just the standard at South Carolina that Will Muschamp was just never able to, to establish there. On the national level, I know this hire has some mixed reviews. I'm curious to get your take on it because, again, we heard names mentioned like Billy Napier, Hugh Freeze, Jamie Chadwell over at Coastal Carolina. Just your overall thoughts on the hire. Were you surprised South Carolina went with Shane Beamer, a guy that, you know, listen, call for what it is. He has no head coaching experience. He's never been a head coach before. Never even been a major coordinator. There's certainly – and I think a lot of the hires South Carolina could have went with, basically all of them, I think, were a roll of the dice. But – from the national perspective and just your take, were you surprised in the direction that South Carolina went? Yeah, because at first I said, I mean, not even being a head coach before, this guy hasn't been a coordinator. He hasn't even called plays before. So I guess my initial reaction was, is Shane Beamer getting this gig because of his last name? If his name was Shane Alexander, would he even have been thought of for this job? Maybe so, but you can't help but think that at first. Mm -hmm. But then I, I've started to think about this a lot more throughout the past several days. And the more that I think about it, the more that it does end up making sense to me. Because I think that South Carolina needs to be unique offensively. They got to have their own calling card. Hell, when Steve Spurrier was there, what did he have? Three consecutive 10-win seasons? Yeah, 11. They were doing 11, some yeah, yeah, three straight 11-win seasons. Mm -hmm. You know? So – I think Shane Beamer can bring you that. I, I think it was a good out-of-the-box hire in the sense that, okay, we can get a guy that's been around Steve Spurrier. We can get a guy that's been under Lincoln Riley for, for a few years and, and, and coach for that guy. Maybe we can bring some of that offense to Columbia, South Carolina. And if we can bring some of that offense to Columbia, South Carolina and implement it and be really good at it, then we damn sure can be better than Tennessee. Mm. We can be better than Kentucky. We're already better than Vanderbilt. We can be better than Missouri. So, like, if this offense works out, if Shane Beamer works out, what I'm saying is South Carolina could really plan itself because that team needs to take control. Like, mm. somebody can implement themselves as the third-best team in the SEC East, and maybe if all the pieces fall right back into place, you can be better than a Georgia one year. Maybe Florida has a down year. I just – the more that I think about this job, it's I love that South Carolina didn't do a retread because I thought that's what the Will Muschamp hire was. Yeah. The guy failed at Florida. To me, if you fail at a big-time job, that means you're not a very good coach to me. Right. I, I don't think that we've seen very many coaches fail at a big-time job and then go somewhere else and have success. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's been proven to be done. I just never understood the Will Muschamp hire. Yeah. This isn't a retread. It's thinking outside the box. This guy can recruit. He can develop relationships, and he's going to bring an offense that's going to be tough to prep for week in and week out in the SEC East. This does not guarantee that South Carolina is going to be in an SEC title game in the next four or five years, but it gives them a whole hell of a lot better chance than they did with, with Will Muschamp. And, and I think that that's the big thing, right? It's South Carolina fans got what they wanted. They got a better coach than what they got before, and they're getting an offense. I mean, Will Muschamp wasn't winning – and he was doing so with the boring-ass offense. I know I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, but <laughs> at least at the end of the day, South Carolina football is going to be really fun to watch here for the next few years.
Yeah, that, that's kind of what my thought process was when South Carolina played Ole Miss, and I told somebody that after the game, obviously the Gamecocks. And it was kind of interesting that, yeah, offense stunk, but defense was Muschamp's undoing in year five, having a just porous defense when that's supposed to be your calling card. But I agree with you because it's funny because you look at Ole Miss this year, for example, and Lane Kiffin, not a very good football team, but damn, are they fun to watch play on Saturdays. And it's like, if you're not going to be very good, you've at least got to be entertaining to keep the uh, the trust from the faithful there. I, I think the other key piece in this as well, and again, I think it does speak to, you've talked a lot about the character and the type of person that Shane Beamer is. The fact that he's willing to take so little and give his assistants, his coordinators, so much money. I mean, he's committed to going out there. And again, we'll see who he hires, but he's committed to going out there and surrounding himself with the best pop possible staff, which I think is really smart. Smart Because again, I know people hate this comparison, but comparing him to the guy up the street in regards to, I think Dabo Sweeney's done a fantastic job of being the figurehead of the program, setting the culture, and he lets his coordinators go and coach. He's got two of the best in Tony Elliott and Brent Venables. And, I, and listen, that doesn't mean like you're saying that Shane Beamer is going to get South Carolina to Atlanta or anything, but I think you've seen that that process does work. And, and I think it speaks volumes about Shane Beamer that, again, he's willing to take less money to go out and get the best possible coordinators, surround himself with, again, He's never been a head coach, but surround himself with people that know what the hell they're doing and, and are going to you know, lead him to success and make, in turn make him look good and make South Carolina look good. Yeah, I mean, and I roll my eyes a lot of times at coach speak, but I don't think it's coach speak when he says that he's going to hire the best possible staff that he can hire, one of the best you know, staffs in the entire country. I, I, I think that that's a real thing. Also, too, man, I, I know you're going to interrupt him at the golf course a lot, but Shane Beamer's got a tight relationship with Steve Spurrier mm. and that is a like Lincoln Riley for instance got the job from Bob Stoops Bob Stoops last week because OU coaches were out due to COVID Bob Stoops actually had to be an assistant coach during practice mm. but if he has situations that pop up he can call Bob Stoops one of the best ever and say hey here's this situation how would you handle it I, I think that it's really important that Shane Beamer has that relationship with the guy that's one in Columbia like like the old ball coach has, and he can call him any time and say, hey, here's this situation. How do I handle it? Hey, uh, boy, I really want to talk some shit to Dabo this week at the press conference, You were and you were the best ever that did it. What should I say this week? I'm kind of joking there, but he's got that guy in Steve Spurrier that I think really appreciates him and would, would always take his phone call, and you know, any little bit helps when you're trying to build back up a program, right? So having Steve Spurrier around the program more um, would – could, could definitely help in the future. That's for sure, man. For sure. Well, Tyler, it's been a pleasure, man. Before I get you out of here, I, I say this half joking, but, uh, you know, South Carolina is a team that needs options at wide receiver right now. They have nobody. You think there's anybody on that bench at Oklahoma that might want to follow Beamer and uh, some athletes that want to come get some immediate play time? <laughs> hey, we need all man. the pass catchers we can get, man. They signed three five-star wide receivers. What would that have been in the 2018 class? Right. And only one of those guys are seeing playing time right now. I'm just you know? saying. And, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe because like Caleb Williams, again, the number one quarterback out of Washington, D.C., who will be an incoming freshman in 2021, he's like, dude, I'm like, I'm bummed. Like, I don't get to play for Shane Beamer. Like, it's not the reason I came to Oklahoma, but it's kind of one of the reasons that I came to Oklahoma. So these kids like him, and if they want to make a change – if you're a Trajan Bridges from the state of Georgia, you're a former five-star wide receiver and you're looking for a new place to play, 
I bet he's got a pretty good relationship with Shane Beamer. So, I mean, I wouldn't be all that shocked if that were I mean, happen, I'm man. just saying you're going to get immediate playing time because South Carolina, it, it is yeah. – it's it's thin to say it nicely at the wide receiver position. So, uh, no, we'll see what happens. should be a lot of fun. But, Tyler, again, appreciate you taking the time, man. This was awesome. Obviously, Tyler McComas, one of the best, if not the best, on the Oklahoma beat, if you will, or – or talking Sooners in Big 12 in Big 12 country. Tyler, appreciate you taking the time. And I'll say, man, it was great to catch up and glad to see you doing so well. Yeah, yeah, you as well, Chris. Good to hear yep. from you. Yep, for Tyler McComas, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time with an episode of the Spurs Up Show.